the blood of 
want to say thank you we don't do it enough you have been so good to us you have uh, given us a hope beyond measure Lord we just uh, thank you today for your presence here we thank you for those that are uh, joined together to worship you today God I pray that we could do that in spirit and in truth I pray for brother Darrell as he delivers your word today in Jesus name I pray amen Oh 
If you have your Bible this morning, Matthew chapter 5. Start a long section of uh, Sermon on the Mount. Begin with the first thing that Jesus says in Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, verse 3. And we sometimes call this, nicknamed them the Beatitudes. We just do one verse this morning, Matthew 5, 3. First Beatitude. Spent quite a bit of time last week hammered away at that thought that you see in verse 1 that Jesus is talking to the crowd, and I want to drive it home again. This is going to make more sense to you. So Jesus is talking to the crowd but down by the lake, uh, the, the sea, of, sea of Galilee, the lake. And then he turns, he doesn't say anything. He turns and he starts walking up the mountain or the hill. And this is why we call it the Sermon on the Mount. So he turns and walks up the mountain, however far, and the crowd stays by the lake, but the disciples go with him. And there's the distinction. There are those in the crowd who just like hanging out by the lake. It's easier. We'll just stay here. The disciples... See, Jesus doesn't say, hey, everybody who's a disciple, come with me. And everybody else who's not, just stay there. He never says a word. He just moves. And the disciples of Jesus move with him. I know I said this last week, but I really need you to get this in your head. And things will make more sense. Now, you, 
verse 1 will make more sense as we go through the Sermon on the Mount. So the disciples of Jesus, who I'm, I'm one, when they see Jesus move, they move with him. The crowds don't. It's not that the crowds can't. It's that they don't. It's that they won't. The disciples will. Crowds won't. I hope you know, I hope you know which one I want to be, and I hope you want to be a d disciple. But there's the difference. Okay, now, it'll make more sense to you, even now in the very first, the first beatitude that we deal with in verse 3. It's going to make sense now. Because Jesus, all through the Sermon on the Mount, over and over, for weeks now, here, if, if the Lord wills, for weeks we're going to hear Jesus tell us things that we're not going to hear anywhere else. Nobody else teaches this stuff. Our culture won't. Maybe your friends won't. Maybe you're not even sure of it. Uh, something we talked about a couple weeks ago, I could tell you're not even sure of it. You're, the the Bible's going to uh, test you on whether you, you, you believe it or not. Do you really believe it? Because it's going to be so countercultural. In fact, we'll start this morning, uh, verse 1, uh, verse 3, first, the first beatitude, verse 1. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now look carefully at that first part of the sentence. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. See, how many people do you hear talk about that? That's not how we usually pre present it, is it? If you, uh, we used to say TV, TV evangelists, that's kind of gone by the wayside. Now you got to look them up on, look them up on YouTube. How many YouTube preachers are you going to hear preaching about blessed are the poor? Blessed are the poor. What do we hear most of? Blessed are the rich. Blessed are the, are the abundant. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, the Sermon on the Mount is going to turn everything backward from what you might think and definitely what our culture thinks. How, where else are you going to hear, blessed are, blessed are the poor? You know, Jesus says that, though. He doesn't say blessed are the rich. Okay? But that's what we hear most of, and that's what we think most of. Blessed are the good times, not the bad times. Blessed when everything's going well. That's when God is blessing. But that's not what Jesus says. And so it makes more sense now, doesn't it, that the disciples go up on the mountain to hear what Jesus has to say because, frankly, they're the only ones who are going to be able to take it. The crowds aren't going to be able to take it. They're not going to take it. And even as Jesus goes along in his ministry, there will be times, and some of you, when you read your Bible, you will remember phrases like this, things like this. There were probably uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of disciples that Jesus had at, at times. And he would say something or do something, and a whole bunch of them would turn away and go and just leave. Uh, if that's the way you're going to be. You know, if that's what you're going to teach. And there, therein is when Jesus says to his 12 disciples and to Peter, 
are you going to go away too? And one of them, I think it was Peter or John, says, where else would we go? That's how I feel. Where else would I go? I know that Jesus has some hard things to say to me, some hard things for me to do. What else am I going to do? I don't want to do anything else. I want to be his disciple. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's an outline of this on the backside of your announcements if you'd like to use that. Uh, let's take them last one first. Poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. What's spirit mean? It's not, it's not Holy Spirit. We'll deal with that more at the end. We're going to be rich in the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's, it's, it's not Holy Spirit. It's not poor in the Holy Spirit. It's poor in spirit, in your spirit. What's that mean? I want you to think of, uh, this will be a little, kind of get your imagination going. If you think of a spirited horse. That, that's a term we use, spirited horse. When I say spirited horse, you know, what comes to mind? Spirited horse. You're ready to go, ready to run. I like to ride a spirited horse, okay? Spirit, that's what that is, okay? We're not talking about horses, though. We're talking about us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Let me give you some words. It's not on your outline. It's not on the screen, but by my outline where I said spirit, let me get some, just give you some words to kind of get you to thinking about what that means, your spirit. It's your effort. It's your drive. Your, your spirit. Your drive. Your, your energy. Your enthusiasm. Your hope. The thing that keeps you going. The thing that keeps you excited. The thing that makes you want to. The thing that keeps you from giving up. The thing that makes you get up and go to work. The thing that keeps you there. That's your spirit. We've, you've heard of a broken spirit. Bible talks about that. A broken, and, broken spirit and a contrite heart. Okay, that's, that's your spirit, that drive, that energy, that enthusiasm, that, that want to. Spirit. Now, most of the time, we would think, okay, blessed is a, is a, a great spirit, you know, a fast spirit, an uh, excited spirit. That's blessed. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Backward from what we might think. He's still going to get there, but Jesus is going to take another route. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, let's look at poor. And again, this will be on the screen, but I, I'm going to read to you words that are not, not printed and not on the screen. Poor. Not much of, Right? We think, again, we think that blessed is rich. But Jesus said blessed is poor. Poor in spirit, not much of. Almost gone. Spent. Poor. Spent. I spent it all. So I don't have much left. Spent. Uh, 
drained, used up. This just gambled away. Poor. Gam- gambled it away. Disappointed. And where I ended up, spirit, the last word was hope. I'm poor. I'm going to make the last word hopeless. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, where are you today? I'm going to use an example. I'm not going to stay there very long at at all, but uh, I'm going to use an example of what I went through on a Wednesday night. And here's what I want to say about that. This is what I went through on a Wednesday night after church. If you had seen me that this particular Wednesday night at church, you wouldn't have been able to tell any difference because we're that way. I can look at you this morning. I met, you know, hi, how are you? I can't tell. But this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit's wanting to put his finger on the poor in spirit. Jesus is wanting to talk to you as a disciple, those of us this morning who are here who are poor in spirit, not much left, used up, hopeless. I feel, I'm not, but I feel hopeless. Poor in spirit, I just don't have much left. Okay. John chapter 15, verse 5. Here's what all of us have got to understand and have got to get here eventually. We're going to read these words. All of you are going to agree with them. You're going to agree with what God's word says. You're going to say you understand it, but you don't. Jesus' teaching in John 15, 5 about the branches hanging on to the vine, we might say it more like a branch hanging on to the tree trunk. All right. The branch abiding in the vine. And Jesus said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, stays in me, lives in me, uh, and I in him, bears much fruit. Here's the phrase I want you to see. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. That goes very much along with poor in spirit. Not much left. Here's the place We don't all have to get there, but a lot of us do. We don't all have to get there. That's not a requirement for for discipleship, but for some of us, it, it will be. Getting to that place where we realize, I can do nothing. I am nothing and I can do nothing without him. Now, everybody in the room reads that. They agree with that, especially because Jesus said that. So we have to agree with that. But we really don't get it, and we really haven't gotten it yet. The truth of that, when Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. 
You can try all you want to. You can put as much effort. You can put as much spirit, your spirit, into it as you want to. You can try. You can be encouraged. You can have that drive. You can have the effort, the spirit, but it won't work. Without me, you can do nothing. And what the Lord will do for his disciples is at least get you started to that place. And I don't know that you're going to have to go all the way there. I had to go all, all the way there. But to at least start getting you to that place where you realize the truth of it. I can do nothing. And if anything's going to get done, it's going to be the Holy Spirit taking over and working through me. Because I just can't do it. Won't go into details at all. I don't know. I didn't keep track. I didn't write it down. But I'm going to say about 10 years ago on a Wednesday night, you, you would never know this. I didn't do anything at all to let you see this. There was no way you would know this. But about, I'm going to say 10 years ago on a Wednesday night at, after church, I went home and went to bed. When I go to bed like that, everybody that comes into the house, are you sick? what's wrong with you? If I'm still in bed when my wife wakes up, she says, are you sick? You know, what's wrong with you? But after church, I went home and went, went to bed. And Dee comes in, what's wrong with you? sick? I no, nah, you know, I'm just tired. I didn't want her, her to know. I can't, I cannot put it into words. I can't explain it to you. Really, I, I, I don't have the words other than I hit that spot. I am exhausted. I'm not only poor, I'm broke. I have nothing left to give. In Arkansas, what do we say? I'm give out. You know what, right? There's a truth to that. I am give out. There wasn't anything that necessarily ha it was it was the proverbial stick that broke the camel's back, and the camel's back had to be broken, and that was me. I don't. It wasn't like a big time. See that that's why you would you would never know this. It wasn't a big thing ha happened at church. It, it just for me it was the ministry day. After day, after day of giving, 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 until I was give out. At day after day of trying, putting the effort into it, doing my best, work, working hard, the spirit within me. You know, I believe in hard work. I think you ought to give it your best. And so it was day after day of that. Nothing wrong with that, unless that's all you've got. Nothing wrong with that unless you're depending on that, you see. There's nothing wrong with all the power going through the branch unless the branch is trying to do it without the vine. Then there's a problem. And I know all of that, but I needed to adjust my life to that. And so I lay there in the bed. And, and when you get to that point, I can't tell you how you know but I knew, and I've heard people say a lot, I'm as low as I can go, but they're really not. 
But on that night, on that Wednesday night, I was as low as I can go, and I really was. I didn't have anything left. Praying in the bed that night, the Holy Spirit spoke to me so plainly without me. You can just hear Jesus saying it because, because he did say it, but he said it to me that night. I know what the Bible says. I know what John John 15, 5 said. So it's like Jesus saying, let me repeat to you what I've already told you in your word. Without me, you can do nothing. And that's where I was. Some of you are there. That's where you are. That's the spot that you've reached. You can't do it anymore. And more of you isn't the answer. Trying harder is not going to get it done because you've already tried hard. Trying longer isn't going to get it done because you've already been trying long. You are not the answer. Jesus, I'm going to tell you what you already know, but I'm trying to get you to live it and feel it. Jesus is the answer, but you're not really going to believe that until he gets you at least close. You don't have to go that far, but you might. But he's got to get you down close to that before you finally begin to say, see more of me is not the answer more of Jesus is. My life began to change that night. My, my ministry began to change that night because I didn't have any choice. It couldn't get worse. Oh, yeah, there's a hope. No, not, not for me it couldn't. I was down as low as I could go. Okay, that was about 10 years ago. There's no way we can look at life ahead. We can only look at life backward. And the things that have taken place since then, there's absolutely no way I could get through it if I hadn't reached that point first. You see, when you reach that point, it's not like, oh, okay, now everything's going to be better. No. It's like, okay, now I'm getting you ready for things that are coming along that are much worse. <laughs> But you can't handle it. You're not ready for it. Why? Because you're trying yourself to do it. Okay, I want you to get that because I don't want any of you to leave here who are, are, are kind of at that point and thinking, all right, I'm going to get through this and everything's going to change and everything's going to be better. No, it's not that way. Everything's going to change and everything's going to get better because now once you begin to let the Holy Spirit do it, now you can do it through him not through you. There are challenges in the past 10 years, past five years, that I never dreamed I would have, ever. Stuff our church has gone through, stuff I had to do, I never dreamed we would go through, ever. I was halfway ready for it. Why? Because of that night, that Wednesday night. God, I've got to change me. I've got to change me. Now, okay, there's that. We're going to skip some of the things as far as the screen goes. We're going to skip some of the things that are on your outline. We're going to go to Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 
29. The Sunday school class I was in this morning actually referred to this verse, and I left immediately because I didn't want to hear what they had to say, because I didn't want to repeat Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29. Here's the answer. Okay. John 15, 5 is the issue. You can do nothing. Here's the answer. And we'll get to this in Matthew a while from now. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Let's leave that verse up. Take my yoke upon you. Most of you, I realize you're young. You don't really get this. What Jesus was speaking of specifically was yoke. In those days, he was probably talking about oxen. And so they would have a, a yoke. It would be a pair, a team. And each of, the, uh, each of the oxen would have a yoke on. And they yoked together to make a team. Two of them pulling as one. That's what yoke means. In our day and time, maybe a little for, more familiar to you, to horses having the harness on, and, and they would have a collar on. That's the yoke, so to speak. And these horses, or the oxen, are pulling as a team. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Take this one. And pull with me. Take this one and, and pull with me. Learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. But take my yoke on you right now. Take my yoke on you. Don't quit. This isn't about quitting. This isn't about giving up. But it's also not about more of you. It's about more of him. It's not about your spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit coming alongside of you, and now you're working with him. You're, you're staying in step, and, and that's what has to happen as the oxen or the horses pull. Step by step by step, they're staying in step with each other. One does not get ahead of the other, and one does not get behind the other. And so Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. That's the secret to it. The secret is not giving up. The secret is not quitting. Because we're not quitters. The secret is more of him. Less of me. As I watch him step right beside me. As I watch him walk, work. As I watch him walk. As I watch him pull. I stay in step with him. And now it's him. Doing the work. I'm just doing it with him. I'm not doing it on my own. The last screen, this is not on your hard copy. Adjusting the yoke. And that's what life's about. I'm adjusting the yoke right now. Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to not say? I've been adjusting the yoke all morning long. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Lord, what do you... I've been adjusting the yoke all morning long because I've been adjusting the yoke all week long. 
Who do you want me to talk to? How do you want me to do it? Lord, what do you, what are you going to do? What am I doing with you? I'm adjusting the yoke to where it's not me doing it, but it's him doing it now. And I'm just doing it with him. That's the key. Where you're at. If you're here this morning and just read it, your spirit's just broken, or it's getting there, or you can feel yourself getting there, I want you to take the truth of God's word and say, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to get down that, that low. I'm going to start adjusting the oak. Lord, I need you. I need you to come and take over. I need you to come and take over. I'm trying to pull this wagon by myself. And it can't be pulled. I can do nothing without you. I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to get ready to pray. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand with us, please, as we get ready to pray. I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to adjust the yoke right, right now. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to be attentive. I'm trying to be obedient. I'm trying to do what Jesus does. I'm trying to have his yoke on me, not my own. What's going on as, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Where, where are you at? This prayer time this morning is for anyone who, who uh, needs to come. Say, Lord, I'm just uh, spent. I'm bankrupt. I'm poor in spirit. I mean, I am poor in spirit. Nobody could tell that. You know, I'm not telling anybody that. I'm not advertising that. In fact, I'm trying to hide that. But this morning, I've come to the Lord's house. I am poor in spirit. The Bible says, and Jesus said, blessed are you. Now, the Holy Spirit can begin to work. Now, God can begin to do things through you because you recognize that you are poor in spirit. Now he takes over. Now he begins to pull. Lord, I am poor in spirit. And I need to come and pray. I need some help. Lord, I, I, I need some help. I need you to help me. The song we're going to sing is a song we sang a lot. Lord, I need you. Simple as that. It's not complicated at all. People that come this morning are those who say, Lord, I need you. And I need you this morning. So while they sing that song, you can sing with them. If you need the Lord this morning, you come and pray. Thank you. 